Greetings, my excellent friends. Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. Gentlemen, I'm here to help you with your history report. What? How? Bill? What? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea, this is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one-third, up scope. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers. Nice to see you. Or, you know, not see you as it, as it is. <laughs> Welcome to the Deep Dive Podcast, the only podcast endorsed by the Association of State Correctional Officers. Go get them, fellas. No, not really. It doesn't Not exist. really. Nope, nope. We are very popular in prisons. <laughs> Mental prisons. Yes. Like, you know, the prison of your mind. Of our own making. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, how fun. What, do, what does Sherlock call it? The, the Mind Palace? Mind Palace. Mind Palace. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. I think I've stayed there a few times. <laughs> nice service. Yeah. Well... Let's introduce ourselves, shall we? I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wangshop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. And with me, as always, because she simply will not leave, <laughs> it's Manda. Hey! Yes. How are you, Manda? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing fine. You sound better than the last time. I know. I, it has finally cleared up. But I sound better because we had a lot of rain and a lot of, like, you know, stormy weather, which yes. kind of knocked that pollen down. But it also wasn't good for the mics. Interestingly enough. No. It mm-mm. picks up that kind of stuff. It does. It does, yeah. pesky mics. Oh, man. How dare you? <laughs> so, listen, I have a question for you. You have a question for me. Uh, I know that recently you've been having some difficulty with your vehicle. Yes. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, you know, when you when you want to drive the best, you got you to gotta shovel out that money. Uh, so I had some stuff with my tires. I bought new tires that didn't kind of sit right. And then I had some weird sensor issues, but essentially I went back and forth to this company that shall go nameless. Cheap, cheap. <laughs> no, the, the tire company. And, um, it, it finally, it's all settled now, but it was a lot of, a lot of aggravation. And it was a lot of just, you know, sadness on my inner soul because you know how much I love my Jeep. Yes, I do. Um, but we're good now. We're up and running. Good. Literally. Good. But thank you for asking. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like a member of my family, so. Yeah, like, uh, what kind of a member of your family would that be, exactly? I'm trying <laughs> to figure know, that one out. one that you sit in and ride all day? All right, it's not that kind of show. Never mind. It you is n- not that kind of show. <laughs> that you gas up. Let's, yeah. nope, Anyways. nope, let's cut that off right there. Edit that all out. All right? Edit out. <laughs> yes. Well, no, we don't edit out things here. No. But <laughs> we also have, by the way, some interesting... Uh, items to oh, purchase. You're looking at me. Yeah. Because I know about that stuff. You do know about that stuff. Can't, we have merch. We have merchandise. We have merchandise. We have like t-shirts. Yes. Stickers. Magnets are on the way. We're getting magnets. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. We have a website that you can go to specifically for these t-shirts and we have a couple of really fantastic designs. And what is that website? I believe it's teespring.com. Yes. And there is a fabulous link on our website. The deep dive podcast dot podbean dot com. Cha ching. 
Now, this is much better than some silly Patreon or Kickstarter mm. because you just buy the shirt and we get the money. <laughs> See that? See how that works? <laughs> Capitalism. Right. And you keep us uh, able to keep this podcast going. But to be fair, it's yes. not like a lot of money. It's not like a lot of money. No. And I will tell you, uh, we I've sampled the shirts. Um, and I can guarantee that they will cover part of your torso. <laughs> and the designs are not bad. And I know because uh, I designed them myself. That's true. He did. I did. He yes. Did. Yeah. Uh, I used, uh, what was that? Um, MS paint. Oh. Yes. I love all those funky colors. I know. It's so nice. There's actually, the, they have 60 colors now in MS Paint, I think. Did you use word art? I did. Oh, man. Oh, that's so nice. Throwing it back there. It's very, very sophisticated. So anyways, buy the t-shirts because mm-hmm. you can support us and you can listen to this podcast for free. So basically, we're just doing you a favor. And you can look really good while doing it. Absolutely, you can. Like, let's talk about Debonair. Hello. Yeah. Stylish. Yeah. And at worst comes to worst, you can wash your car with it. <laughs> Just buy it first. Just buy it first. <laughs> yeah. Wear it a couple of times, you know. Yeah. Once it shrinks beyond recognition, then you can use it as a rag. But until then, <laughs> you know, display your colors. Yeah. And like everything else, all our links to our social medias and our store is currently on our website. Again, that's the deep dive podcast.podbean.com. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. So now let's get to the topic Ooh, at hand, yes. shall we? Mando, what is our topic Today's- this episode? Historical fiction. Ah, yes. Historical fiction. Fiction about historical events. Okay. So now, you and I both know Mm. that whatever rules we set up for these (laughs) completely go out the window, (laughs) and we just pick whatever the hell we want. About five minutes into research. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Basically. Basically. That's how it works. But I am very curious. You you kind of said that you've got some... like and. I've said this before. We do not know the picks ahead of time. So this is news to me. But Manda has said that she's got some interesting stuff coming. So I'm I'm interested if you would like to go first. Hell, I mean, yes, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I am actually really excited about my picks. Because initially, I thought this was actually kind of hard. Because I feel like the historical fiction market is somewhat maybe oversaturated these days Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because every hbo every showcase every stars app they have something of that nature i mean we've talked about outlander a couple of times and i know mrs feeney is a fan of that show Mm. (laughs) and everything pride and prejudice so you know what i'm saying like it was like that but i actually i drew a linear timeline on a piece of paper on my desk that's impressive thank you i do a lot of work for this podcast i don't just show up that's well, not what I heard. That's work is subjective. Mm. Anyway, so um, I decided I would start like okay, let's do like ancient Egypt, Roman, Greek times, that whatever. That's the beginning of the timeline. Then I moved more into like the Renaissance, and then I was like, all right, let's talk about the Tudors, and I finally landed on um, early colonial American history, which coincidentally happens to be the field that I studied in college. Mm, okay, I didn't pick anything from there though. Because we, I threw the rules out, remember? All right, so this story goes where? <laughs> it goes where? I'm telling you about my first pick. Okay, my first pick is called Agora. It's from 2009. It stars Rachel Weiss and Max Minghella. And it's directed by someone called Alejandro Amenabar. It is a Spanish film, filmed in Spain, but in English. Uh, yep. Okay, I'm okay. following you so, so far. And obviously Rachel Weiss or Weiss yep. is English. Um, it's So it is set in... Ancient Greek or ancient Roman times. Um, the basic concept is Hypatia, who is uh, Weiss, and who is a 
contextually a real person in history. Um, she's a stern woman and she believes what she believes, but she also believes in the right to question the status quo, which by the way is a Latin phrase meaning state of affairs. Oh, you know what? I did not know that. Yeah. I knew what status quo meant, but I didn't know what it translated to. What it translated to. to. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I actually studied Latin in high school too, and there was no option for me to go further into education with, which is kind of sad, but you know, it's a dead language, so whatever. E pluribus unum. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Anyways, know. um, so she challenges the Ptolemaic system, which is uh named after Ptolemy. He's he's a a god right at this point and he's also a pharaoh and he's a person right um but basically that theory is that the earth is the center of the universe um and i guess in ancient times they can't really be blamed for it because you know yeah they didn't know any better they didn't really know any better right so this was widely accepted and she's like you know what no i i don't i don't believe that there has to be some flaw with this system and on the counterpart of that side, which is the heliocentric system, it that basically says everything revolves around the sun. So two different theories here, both mostly wrong. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and she's like, you know what? No. So this woman in real life was a uh, philosopher. She was a mathematician. She was an astronomer. She believed very uh, deeply and prophetically in reading stars and astronomy and charts and all that fun stuff. Um, this movie however takes place sort of towards the end of her life um and she initially is like kind of rejected by people of course she's she's got things going against her one she's a woman Mm. and despite the idea that women were treated pretty fairly in ancient roman and greek times it's not necessarily the case all the time she's still a woman um and she also was challenging the status quo again so she wasn't very popular with the uh higher-ups the you know, the generals, the the politicians, she wasn't their fan. But as these things happen to do, she gains popularity with the common folk. And they start saying, you know what, why don't we challenge these things? Why don't we ask where these ideas came from and if there's any relevance to them? In the last days of the Roman Empire, at the fall of civilization, one woman a legend ahead of her time stood to unite mankind. Whatever may be going on in the streets, we are brothers. If you choose to do nothing, though, you will continue to do the same thing over and over again until there is no one left in the city, no people for this government to govern. I mean, I hope this is not a spoiler considering she died like, I don't know, 1500 years ago, 2000 years ago. Um, but because of her beliefs, they did like, you know, they, they really, yeah. that's surprising to me. Yeah. That's, that never happens in no, these stories. It's never, you know, you, it, you think you have a concept, a new idea. People don't get afraid and they don't just off you yeah, for don't, it. Don't people just are n- normally accepting of strange and new ideas right off the bat? Uh, no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. Um, but she's basically now seen as a, as a martyr f- for philosophy. What I, what I enjoyed about the film and that's a very brief synopsis, but um, what I enjoyed about it really was the dedication to the uh, scenery, the costuming. I also enjoyed it because it just seemed like they went through a lot of effort to make the movie have a feel of genuine like authenticity, not just with like the decor and the sets and, and all that, but they went through and were able to piece together uh, 
bits of music from like ancient Hebrew and um, some like Mediterranean music that they thought, okay, cool, be- might have been played or or uh, you know used there. Now, of course, there's no ancient music that has actually survived. I mean, you know, how could it really? Right. Mm-hmm. But but that just really to me it lended. Um, you could tell the directors and the producers really wanted this to go over well. Um, in fact. I'm not the only one who really enjoyed it. Uh, IMDb calls it a seven, gives it a seven point two. Wow. Metacritic gives it a fifty three. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, same thing, fifty three percent. I'm giving it an eight point oh. I think really? it was a fantastic movie. It wasn't too long. I loved the color palette. Uh, the subject was really great because it, here, here it is, 2019, and and I think young girls need to see powerful women that are doing amazing things. This woman was doing it, except like two thousand years ago. <laughs> so it was and got killed for her troubles. <sighs> anyways, what's that moral anyways um <laughs> uh i think it's a fantastic movie i think it's really great you should check it out and uh fun fact the film crews were able to accurately paint the sky because they used a star map that made it reflect basically what they would have seen in ancient times really amazing that's actually pretty cool it's really cool yeah. and like that technology actually exists for anybody to go out and see so you could go onto a website uh the star registry of the u.s i think and see what the the sky as it was 50 years ago very it's, interesting it's actually really cool um it was nominated for 13 goya awards and it won seven of them i'm not quite sure what those were but it it did Is that really... like the goya foods <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> no but i do wow. love their white beans yeah. yeah, I love to put them yeah. in the chili and stuff. They're really. I good. like the sofrito. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it not surprisingly didn't do that well in the states or really in Europe, but because it was filmed in Spain, it it was a huge hometown flavor, right? So it actually was the highest grossing film of 2009, earning 10.3 million dollars within four days of its not release. Bad. Right? That's mm. not bad. Yeah. Um, so where can you watch it? You can rent it for a buck ninety nine on PlayStation, or you can purchase it for five ninety nine on Voodoo, which is pretty cheap. That's not bad at all. Yeah. And honestly, in terms of like ancient uh Latin, ancient ancient times like that goes, this is one of the one of the really great movies that I don't feel super gimmicky watching. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? But anyways, my first pick. I really loved it. What was the name of it again? It's called Agora. How do you spell that? A G O R A. A G O R A. Yeah, not like agoraphobic, but here's the funny thing. I was afraid stuff. you were going to say that. <laughs> here's the funny thing, and I didn't do research about this, but here she is as a woman named Agora, I would imagine is how it's pronounced. Um, and people didn't like her and they were afraid of her, so maybe that's where it came from. Well, I guess that's possible. Yeah, you know. Hmm. Yeah, we're big fans of agoraphobia around here. Yes, yeah. I'm afraid you're right. <laughs> Anyways, my first pick, I loved it. On to you. Why, thank you so much. Yeah, you know. My first pick goes a little further forward mm. in history, and it's based on one of the most pivotal naval battles of World War II. And I am talking about the 1976 film Midway. Now, Midway, the most incredible feeling of combat you will ever experience in a motion picture theater, as Universal surrounds you with the sights, sounds, and actual sensations of battle. So real, you can almost feel it. Dad, I've fallen in love with a Japanese girl. Six months after Pearl Harbor, boy, you have one lousy sense of timing. Damn it, I'm an American. What makes us different from German-Americans or Italian-Americans? Midway. So real, you can almost feel it. 
Midway. The Battle of Midway mm. took place in 1942, only months after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, and it proved to be a decisive victory for the United States. Mm. The Japanese fleet would never fully recover from their devastating losses at Midway, and they would lose their dominance in the Pacific Theater. It was a, a true turning point in the war okay. for the United States. Now, uh, the movie Midway has one of those, and this was kind of a popular thing back in the 70s, the all-star cast. Mm. They would round up a couple of A-listers, some B-listers, and some people you recognize from television. And they would all put them together in one movie, hoping that at some point you would see somebody you recognize and go, oh yeah, I like who that is. Right. And that would get you through the movie. Or not, depending on how bad it was. But... This film had a really great cast. It had Charlton Heston, oh, wow. Henry Fonda, James Coburn, Glenn Ford, Hal Holbrook, and Japanese sensation Toshiro Mufune, oh. who has been in a, was a, in a lot of Japanese movies. And you can look those up later. I will yep. if you don't if you don't recognize. What them. is the name? Charlton Chu. Uh, okay. Continue. It even has music by a pre-Star Wars John Williams. Ooh. And it was directed by a guy named uh, Jack Smite. <laughs> yeah, and he also directed uh, a very famous disaster piece uh, named Airport 1975. I guess you could say he smoted them with his smite. Yeah, I don't get it. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so the film pretty much goes back and forth between a, a real-life Japanese admiral and two fictional American characters, uh, a captain and his son. The captain is, is played by Charlton Heston. And they're both uh, naval aviators. Mm -hmm. So the son is involved in a romantic relationship with a Japanese-American woman who is in an internment camp with her family. Right. Now, if they had made this movie 10 years earlier, that would not have been a subplot, but because of more social awareness... Right. Uh, things like that. They they kind of shoehorn that in there to kind of give it some kind of social relevance at the time. Sure. Something they probably wouldn't have done earlier. Uh, now, the son tries to get the father to pull strings to have them released. And there's a bit of conflict there between the two. Meanwhile, war! War. Dun, dun, dun! So, on paper, this battle, this upcoming battle, looks like a losing proposition for the American fleet. Right. However, what the Japanese don't know is that we have cracked their naval codes, and we discover that Midway is going to be an ambush. So, in a very dangerous and potentially costly gamble, we send in our last remaining aircraft carriers to Midway to ambush the ambush. And, you know, it... The movie itself actually looks like on paper that it would be a huge success. Right. Big budget, great cast. Yeah. Epic true story. Mm -hmm. uh, but like the battle itself, things don't turn out sometimes as are planned. So the movie itself seems kind of out of place in the mid-70s, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it's almost like a throwback film. It's like a last gasp to recapture those kind of war movies uh, from previous decades. And war movies were about to make a major shift in tone towards the end of the 1970s. So instead of these grand-scale films that depicted Americans as the noble, courageous soldiers, films about the Vietnam conflict yeah. mm -hmm. that happened in the 60s and 70s became very dark, disturbing stories of, of people being ripped away from their homes and, and young men undergoing incredibly harsh, dangerous 
uh, conditions and going through all this kind of crazy PTSD stress. So like realism. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Coming home to uh, a country that didn't like, that didn't you know a- approve of where you were and what you were doing. Right. Um, so movies like Apocalypse Now and The Deer Hunter uh, would kind of usher in that kind of anti-war film of the late 70s. Mm-hmm. So Midway was kind of that last gasp. Where does Forrest Gump fit into this? It doesn't. Okay. It fits nowhere. No, okay. Because it was a terrible movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're going to get, we'll get to that at some point. You're going to get harsh comments on that. I don't care. I disliked Forrest Gump immensely. Wow. Yes, I did. Okay. But that's a... That's another conversation. That's a tale for another time. (laughs) Movies that Tom hates. That, you know, I will go off on an amazing (laughs) tangent and tirade about Forrest Gump. So, I'm not going to get started about that. So, but... As for Midway, mm. uh, it's a very kind of straightforward, earnest storytelling kind of a film. You know, it's almost too straightforward. Mm. Uh, when they try to add the kind of requisite love story, it really falls flat. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, there is the whole matter of how the Japanese are portrayed. Uh, <laughs> they at the time, I bet, wasn't the most friendly? Not the most friendly. In fact, they were, and I don't know if this was, you know, deliberate from the director, but all of the Japanese actors were incredibly, like, cold and emotionless. And short? Wow. No, I'm no, I'm... I'm <laughs> even gonna... <laughs> no, I, I just... I, I remember watching cartoons on Saturday morning, and they were always portrayed as short people with thick glasses and big teeth. That's really awful. No, I'm just telling you what Warner Brothers did. Yeah, I know what Warner Brothers <laughs> did. I remember them. Uh, but no, I mean, they were not necessarily caricatures, <clears throat> but they were just portrayed as having no heart. No emotions, no feelings about, you know, being in war. Hmm. Um, And the subplot about the internment camps, you know, really does seem kind of tacked on. Right. Uh, But when the final battle arrives, that's where this movie really falls apart. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, shame. So it's this, the editing is incredibly confusing. It's a mishmash of uh, obvious miniature photography, grainy real footage from World War II, and scenes that were borrowed from another movie entirely, uh, the 1970 film Torah, 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 which is another war film. So there's shots from that movie incorporated into Midway. I almost did that one. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's insane. And the other thing is that it's totally bloodless and sanitized. Uh, There's no real horrors of war kind of thing going on. Mm. I mean, people die, but no one dies in any way that's emotionally impactful. Which, that's, you know, war movies should have that feeling. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. Um, But the one thing it does have going for it, this movie, is is the sound. The sound is incredible. The music by John Williams, yes, is fantastic. But I'm talking about the actual sound itself. In theaters, Midway was released in what was called Sensoround, which was this gimmick where they uh, put special speakers hmm. in the theaters that would create this low bass rumble. Hmm. You couldn't hear it, but the vibrations would shake the seats. Oh. So at certain points in the soundtrack, it would trigger the Sensoround speakers and it would shake the, it would basically shake the audience violently. Wow. <laughs> there were only a handful of films that used this technique. Um, I may devote some time to it in another show, but it was pretty, pretty interesting. Right. Uh, and a little scary for some people at the time because they were like, what is going on here? Is this an earthquake? Because it was right. really, in fact, they used it in the movie Earthquake as well. 
So nice. It's yeah. kind of like when you walk into a store and they play a certain type of music, yeah, to get you to buy something or yep. a certain mm-hmm. scent that comes mm-hmm. over the. the yes. Vents. Well, hey, they did have smellovision in some movies, so there you go. That's a whole <laughs> other thing we should do. We should do a, uh, one about gimmicks. My like name is Mike gimmicks. TV. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Violet. I know. Rest uh, in peace. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. At least she didn't go in the. At least she didn't go in the hopper. There It was very bad. She was. It wasn't a bad egg. Yeah, that's true. Like she also didn't swell up like a blueberry. Not well, for real, anyway. Not for real. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so, with Midway. Anyway, so when they kind of say they don't make them like that anymore, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about Midway, right? Essentially. <laughs> And this this pick is relevant in a different way because we're getting another take on this battle this fall with the upcoming release of a new movie called, you guessed it, Midway. Midway. That's exactly right. Once again, we have an all-star cast. Woody Harrelson, Mandy Moore, Dennis Quaid, Nick Jonas. Denzel Washington. He's in everything. Yeah. Uh, And it's directed by a guy named Roland Emmerich, Hmm. who, if you don't remember the name, he's the guy that gave the world both Independence Day movies and the 1999 Godzilla mess where Godzilla looks like a burnt cat. Oh, rest in peace. My hopes are not high for this one. Yeah. So we will see. But let's get to the score, shall we? Yes. So this guy midway here gets a 6.8 out of 10. Okay. Not bad. And a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. Surprising. You can rent it for $2.99 on Fandango now. Ooh. And three ninety nine on most other streaming services. Very good. And that is Midway. I think when I hear Midway, I think of the beach go-karts at Salisbury Beach. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah, I think it's called Midway Racing or something of that nature. Very possible. Yeah. Or maybe it was the games. Either way, that sounds like a good pick. But I can totally see it being sort of lackluster when you add these, um, like... Not subjective, but, like, definitely culturally aware things for the sake of adding them. And also, like, there's no blood. Yeah. It you just know? It was all very sanitized and not, like... Yeah. Nah. But, in any event, in Amanda, any event. now, you're going to lead us midway through our podcast. Oh! oh. Thank you. Okay. So, my next pick, my final pick before my uh, very awesome honorable mentions. Uh-oh. Oh, I've got some. Um... <clears throat> This comes from 1951. Oh. Yeah, so it's a little bit of an older film, but it is a color film, which is brilliant. It's mm-hmm. called Quo Vadis. Well, really, it would be Quo Wadis, because the V's are W's. Millions of persons have already seen and applauded MGM's mighty Technicolor spectacle. Nero's pagan Rome in all its dissolute splendor. The most wicked era of history comes to life. Three flaming love stories. The impassioned love of the pagan soldier for the beautiful Christian captive. The tragic love of the sultry slave girl for her master. The tortured love of cruel Nero for his wicked empress. Three hours of eye-filling enjoyment. Three years in the making. 30,000 in the cast. You'll never forget its unequal spectacle. You always remember its heart-pounding drama. Directed by Mervyn Leroy, who was a producer for The Wizard of Oz. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I love that or one. Or The Wizard. The Wizard of Oz. Of Oz. Yeah. Because the... No. No. <laughs> you know that with the witch and the shoes and all that? Yeah. Starring Robert Taylor and Deborah Kerr. Oh, yeah. Or Care. Kerr. Not quite, Kerr. Is it Kerr? Kerr? Yeah. yeah. Apparently she was pretty big in her day. Mm-hmm. But, um, so... 
This is again another ancient Roman type of, of movie. Uh, it's roughly translated as uh, Where Are You Going? <laughs> Which you might think is a bit weird, um, but hear me out. So, Debuted in 1951, and it is based on a novel which was published in 1896. It centers around the last days of Emperor Nero's reign. Uh, Emperor Nero wasn't a fun guy towards the end. Yep, the fiddle, yeah. And and I'll tell you why in a minute why they, the fiddle is uh, attributed to him. But um, uh, unlike his sort of adoptive father, Claudius, before him, Nero wasn't loved. Um, he was hated he was corrupt he was politically unsavvy and he hated christians so this takes place around 65 to 68 ad so this is already after this is like 60 years a generation after christ and and all that fun stuff um but it it hasn't taken on and so roman society is still a very like uh polytheistic culture um so Nero's uh, reign is fraught, right? And he hates Christians. He actually ends up like burning Rome, and this is real. <laughs> Burned Rome to the ground almost, and blamed the Christians. And everyone was like, "You know what? No, dude. We know that you did that." And so ended. Uh, so began his very uh, quick and drastic downfall. <laughs> um, and this is not a spoiler because um, this is just history. But I believe the reason why Nero is attributed to this, you know, fiddle or play me the violin, world's smallest violin, is. Um, he saw all this was coming, and the Emperor Galba, who only reigned for about a year after him, was on the rise, and he was like, I'm coming for you, right? And he knew that he had messed up, and people were like, I'm gonna, you know, knife you while you eat some grapes or something. <laughs> um, but he saw the end was coming, and as is fashion, typical fashion for ancient times, the idea of suicidality is is different than we see it today. It was sometimes seen as not a quote-unquote coward's way out, but a meaningful and honorable way to end something if you are unable to procure, like, uh, a warrior's death, let's say. Yeah, that's yeah. true in some cultures, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so he was trying to do that to himself, but was unable to actually finish himself off, I guess. Wow. Yeah, so what ended up happening was... Um, a guard that was nearby, um, he had sent word, said, bring all my friends to my chambers and watch them uh, see me end it all or whatever. And uh, he sent, and his guard sent out these, these, I guess, scrolls and tickets, uh, but nobody showed up. Oh, when, that's exactly. so sad. And when Nero starts walking around the palace, he finds mm. out all his friends are gone. They left. They hitchhiked at home and they wow. were like, we ain't watching this. So this same guard um, is then forced to be the one that ends Nero. So he... You know, like a fish, he right in the stomach. And as Nero is dying, he shouts out in Latin, "See, this is what loyalty gets you." And that's kind of that mentality of like complaining till the end. Nothing is ever his fault. Play me the fiddle, that kind of thing. Jeez, politicians don't change ever, do they? <laughs> and this was like two thousand years ago. Wow, I know it's crazy. Uh, anyways, back to my movie. Um, <laughs> debuted in nineteen fifty one. It is a color film, which is important because I think. And I've said this before, I, I enjoy black and white films because I, I the imagination just takes hold and you can kind of prefigure what you think things could look like. But I, I think it's so important, especially for history buffs, to get a sense of the scenery and, and the climate in which they lived. Because it wasn't a very f fun and, and pretty area. I mean, it was like war, blood, violence, and 
corruption and politics and it was you could feel that in the movie um and i think what i what we should probably try and get across and like in most historical films and you mentioned in midway um what producers and and directors typically do is they will mix in factual things um people names places and then they will put in what is um needed i guess for the the sensationalism of the movie right so they mix in things that are not real well this movie is no stranger to that Mm -hmm. um it did use the majority of it uh that they used was names and people um it wasn't so much events i mean nero's death is kind of that's that's history but most of it was just kind of made up um so it centers around someone called um marcus and marcus is a general uh in the army and he's just come back from from fighting these very long battles where they're conquering the like germanic states and that kind of thing uh and he falls in love with a woman who is a devout christian but in actuality is also kind of like property she's like basically a slave although they're not calling her a slave um because her father has sinned in some way and so she's been sold to another family so he falls in love with her and in order to sort of like protect her and gain her trust he says to her owner (laughs) sell her to me so she's like "Uh, no i'm a woman and you can't sell me but eventually she falls in love so as things progress he starts thinking you know what well maybe this christianity thing isn't too bad Hmm. right so he starts to get more and more and more involved with it and eventually he's like i subscribe to this idea click i like your podcast i'm subscribed nice which is what you could certainly do for us (laughs) um but as with everything about Nero, um, he doesn't like that. And because he's really centered on, like, literally killing all Christians, <laughs> um, Marcus becomes somewhat of a scapegoat for him. Um, and so you, the movie takes place, or I'm sorry, um, takes uh, the sort of last days of Nero, but also in account from Marcus's eyes. He's then treated as a scapegoat. He's um, basically lied about and there are plots against marcus to make marcus the enemy of the state because nero will then benefit because marcus is really loved he's a very popular general um and it gets to the point where like they capture marcus marcus's wife and they put her in the center of the circus and i am doing quotations here that's like the Colosseum, right yeah. and um people are getting eaten by lions and mm. it's just it's just yeah yeah. Yeah. It's such nastiness. It is. You know, and I always thought to myself, how do you clean up the sand? Do you just let it, like, sit there? No, yeah, you just bury it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll go over that. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it comes down to, um, like, in that, that scene of Gladiator where Commodore uh, sort of raises his thumb to indicate, yes, I allow right, it. Right, right. It's kind of like that. And I think this is where it took a really good, uh, you know, sort of, like, look at this movie. Because there's one part of that um, scene where... Marcus is reviled now by the people because Nero's put this word out against him. Um, but he turns the tide in his favor in this like sort of time. And all the people start putting their thumbs up and saying, no, spare him, spare her, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, it ends with the eventuality like we know is going to happen. Nero uh, passes away, <laughs> as it were. Um, but it is just so like fast paced for a 1950s movie it is very it's filled with language that i and and i don't mean speaking metaphorically i mean it's it's obviously in english but like it's filled with language that you just it grips you right and um i watched it again a few days ago and i and i thought to myself when i first watched this in history class i was like yeah i don't really get it it's kind of like a romance like whatever but now going back i realized just the 
the absolute message of like acceptance is underneath it and mm. it's filmed just so incredibly well and each shot is just it plays so well into the next one and um i think it it does its best to be authentic with historical facts while imagining that the audience that's going to watch the movie wants to see you know this hardened general and and fall in love with somebody and right. and have it be more applicable okay. for modern days so also the costuming was fantastic and i love movies with good costuming mm. <laughs> um so um also they change up nero's death a little bit at the end which is not factual but whatever scores imdb gives a 7.2 metacritic didn't have a score but ron tomatoes gives it an 88 wow, percent. it's high up yeah. there i'm telling you i'm giving it a 9.0 really yeah i i absolutely love it it was a fantastic movie that you can honestly easily watch without having to take a break <laughs> you know and you're not looking for action sequence because really it's about swords and and like pikes and that's yeah. pretty much it but okay. it, it works you know um kind of a cool fun fact about the movie is that it was definitely a commercial success um according to the publications i read it earned in u.s and canada alone 11 and a half million dollars when its budget was like under five can you imagine that a movie having under five million for a budget these days no it that's just, the catering budget yeah, for most movies exactly um and then it earned like 10 million elsewhere so it was pretty huge and and it's the highest grossing film of 1951 there you go. It's pretty awesome, right? Um, it was nominated for eight Academy Awards, twice, twice, for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Wow. So for the same movie, two actors, That's same thing, That's right? Yeah. Um, I believe only one of them won. But anyways, you should watch it for yourself. I think it's fantastic. You can rent it on YouTube and Vudu for $2.99, or you can buy it on Amazon for $9.99. It's actually on sale Ooh. right now if you have a Prime account, because it's like Prime like week or something that they do with Amazon and you can get it actually for a dollar 99. That's Quotardis, which is <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Anyways, um, those are my two picks. I absolutely loved both films. I really thoroughly enjoyed them, And I got, um, I got a lot of pleasure out of watching them because I didn't, I wasn't actually expecting there to be such a like blockbuster violence, mm. music, pounding lights. It, it, it was just like, cool. This is probably what life was like. Good old-fashioned so, sword and sandal epic. Eggs. <laughs> sword and sandal. That's, that's actually a term. Oh, my God. Good old sword you and didn't sandal. make that up? I did not make that up. That's actually a term. Sword and sandal films. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so those are my two picks. I absolutely love them. Yeah. All right. So. Watch them. Before I reveal my second pick, mm -hmm. I'm going to make a confession. Oh. I do not like Westerns. Oh, no. Nobody does. Well, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that do, but I really don't. The genre does not interest me. The time period does no. not interest me. No. The kind of stories that tend to be told in Westerns are not particularly interesting to me. And I'm looking at you, Back to the Future Part 3. Just <laughs> what? saying. Manifest Destiny isn't your thing? No, it is not. <laughs> And once again, I'm looking at you, Heaven's Gate. Oh, uh, so we're yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. Nope. So having said all that, yep. My second pick happens to be yes, a western. Yes, yeehaw! <laughs> so I am talking about 1993's Tombstone. Oh my god! This is the western for people who hate <laughs> westerns. Oh no! It was a place where a man could start over. It's wider. Got a name for himself as a peace officer. I heard of you. I'm retired. You must be Doc Holliday. You retired too? Not me. I'm in my prime. 
They say every town has a story, Tombstone has a legend. Tombstone, rated R. This movie has everything. Aww. Guns, big hats, tuberculosis, Powers Booth. Oh. I almost said Kevin Klein, but that's something different. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a different one. Right? Yeah. So basically, this is a retelling of the story of Wyatt Earp and his brothers. Now, Wyatt mm-hmm. Earp is played by Kurt Russell. The brothers are Sam Elliott and the late Bill Paxton. Oh, Sam Elliott, though. Sam Elliott's great. Oh, I love him. He was in, uh, what's that movie with Cher? Mask. Mask. That's yeah. right. Wow, there's a throwback. Yeah. Eric Stoltz, too. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't actually look at that in real life, people. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, but anyway, so yeah. Well, he's older, so he does now, but... <laughs> Kurt Russell's oh, amazing, too. Oh, yeah. What yeah. was this, 93, you said? 93, yeah. Mm, okay. So these brothers, they want to live a peaceful existence now. They're retiring. Uh, Wyatt Earp is a sheriff. So uh, they want to retire, and so they go to the small town of Tombstone, Arizona. And this takes place in 1879. Ooh. The brothers, they settle, they settle down. They, they get a stake in a local casino. <laughs> and it's a profitable casino. It's doing very well. Uh, things are looking up for him until Ooh. a band of outlaws called the Cowboys, it's very original, show up and cause all kinds of ruckus. And we don't need a ruckus around here. In our saloon. There's no ruckus in this saloon. There is a ruckus in the saloon. Right. There's a great scene with Billy Bob Thornton where he causes a ruckus. Oh, is he one of his early to? One of his early movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So even though Wyatt is retired from his life as a lawman, he takes on the badge again to help the town, Mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. being overrun by these outlaws, right? Yep, yep. yep. So, helping out is gunslinger Doc Holliday, played by Val Kilmer, who's amazing in this movie. What? He's so good. I thought he was in that one. So, the ensuing conflict leads to the famous gunfight at the OK Corral, (laughs) where three of the outlaws are killed. So that's a it's a very very cool scene, but this movie is only really getting started at this point. It it is a, a, an epic tale with <laughs> lots of action, gunfights, all the trappings of a western. But Tombstone has something that a lot of westerns, to me anyway, don't have, and that's a lot of. It does have a tremendous amount of heart, pathos, a tremendous relationship between Wyatt Earp and his brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, Doc Holliday and Wyatt. They're, they're very close friends, uh, and there's just a lot of emotion and feeling going on in this movie, which you typically don't get in a Western. These guys are bros, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, helping each other out, and you know, when they feel pain, it's like a big thing, and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a cool thing to see in a Western. So all of the performances in this movie are really, really good, especially Val Kilmer. Mm. He plays Doc Holliday with this amazing kind of swagger, even though he's pretty much dying throughout this entire movie of tuberculosis. Some uh, peace, which, Iceman. Which, yeah, which ultimately killed him. Uh, Iceman. Oh, did you? Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. No, I mean, have you seen... Uh, Tombstone? No, have you seen the new Top Gun trailer? Oh, no, but okay. As I of, have heard. Yes. Okay. So yeah. Well, so yeah, at we'll the time of this recording, it had just come out. So pretty, pretty interesting. <sighs> I just don't understand. It's like Lion King, Mustangs. Why do you bring these things back? Uh, because they have no new ideas. Okay, fair enough. Can yeah, I, there you go. Continue. Uh, also, great performance by Powers Booth oh, as the yeah. leader of the Outlaw Cowboys. Uh, fun fact: This film has three directors. What? The original director was also the screenwriter, a guy named Kevin Jar. He was replaced early on. He couldn't really handle it he was you know he hadn't really directed much and he couldn't really really handle it and he was replaced by a director named george p cosmatos a oh. greek guy oh yeah 
So uh, who had a great deal of experience. Mazel tov. Now, I did say three. Did I not? <laughs> you did. So according to Val Kilmer in an interview, much of the movie was, in fact, directed by Kurt Russell. Really? Who basically took control of a very chaotic production. During the film, Val Kilmer and, uh, was staying with Kurt Russell mm-hmm. while his wife Goldie was out of town shooting something else. Mm-hmm. So Val Kilmer basically slept on Kurt Russell's couch for weeks Aww. as they were going through this movie. Bros. As they were like, you know, rewriting scripts yep. and developing the relationship between the characters and things like that. Keeping the movie from going overboard. Oh, oh, hey, okay. now that's just horrifying. <laughs> Man. Wow. Oh, yeah. There you go. I just took the wind out of my sails <laughs> right there. I'm just like deflated now. It's terrible. <laughs> Maybe you should use a life raft. I might have to. Oh, my goodness. Now, as I said before, Westerns, not my thing. Yep. I can pretty much count on one hand the number of Westerns that I have actually Seen? enjoyed. No, oh, that I've oh, actually enjoyed. enjoyed yeah. No, no, no. I don't even like sci-fi westerns. I never could get into Firefly. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't Which get is, it. You know. Yeah. Sorry. I know there's a lot of fan there's favorites a huge there. Huge fan base. Huge for that. fan base for that, but mm-hmm. I could never get into it. Uh, but for me, as far as westerns go, Tombstone, top of the list. Yep. Really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, it actually gets gets some pretty good uh, scores. A seven point eight out of ten on the Internet Movie Database, uh-huh. and a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, okay. which is pretty respectable. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. there you go. Uh, if you would like to rent Tombstone, you can get it for $2.99, which in 1870s money is roughly $5 million, or something like that. I don't remember. I'm not, good with, I'm not good with figures. Uh, it's on most streaming services, including YouTube, Amazon Prime Video, and iTunes. Ooh. So, there you go. Very Tombstone. Good. good pick. Love that movie so much. Good pick. Do you I have a question for you. What font do you think they used on Wyatt Earp's Tombstone? Could it be possibly Sans Sheriff? <laughs> um, Amanda. Amanda. Yeah, yeah. I have told you repeatedly. <laughs> no one enjoys font humor. All right. Oh man, that was so good. Now I, get I mean, the Helvetica out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to the New York Times Roman about this. Oh, <laughs> which leads us back to uh, Quovatis. Yeah, Quo Quovatis. Quo Quovatis. What? <laughs> oh man, Kumquat? Yeah. I don't. Uh, what? Is, uh, I don't know. Yeah, are you sure we haven't been to a saloon? Because I feel. Like yeah, <laughs> really. Oh, all right. I so, have some honorable mentions. Please go right ahead. Uh, yes, I have some really great ones. Now. I think it's fair to say that um, the very famous Australian Mr. Mel Gibson has <laughs> starred in and directed many movies. Yes, he has. He has. Yes. But did you know that a good portion of them are actually historical film dramas? Uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. You know, you yeah. have Braveheart, Braveheart, you got the Patriot, Patriot, um, others. Lethal Weapon. Wait, no, that's not true. <laughs> With Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a so historical good. fiction. That yeah. us, that's, by the way, that's going to lead us into our next uh, topic. Uh, it for, really is. So. Um, yes, it does. But I was thinking that one of the ones I think doesn't get enough credit, and because it's really just not accurate at all, is Apocalypto. I really enjoyed that film. That was a strange it was strange. Of a film. It was very strange. And also, can we just talk about the, how the Mayans weren't actually that, like, 
you know, sacrificing and all that. They were relatively peaceful. They yeah. were the scientists and the mathematicians. That's how they have that calendar, you know? Yeah, and it's weird they would be portrayed that way, because Mel Gibson is really widely known for his cultural sensitivity. Right? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I... It's more like the Aztecs, I think, they were trying to portray. But, like, anyways, I, I actually quite enjoy the film. And, and I and I got to tell you something kind of, like, on the weird side. So, I have gauged ears, right? That's where the hole in my ear with ears go is just really big. You know, you know, like our friend Paul at work? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, That's, like, something that is portrayed really heavily in this movie, in Apocalypto. And I was watching the behind the scenes about it. And it actually, it took a, a page out of Lord of the Rings book. And they would form this silicon gel over the actor's ears and then put these giant fake like foamy wood plugs in them to make them look like they actually had the earrings but mm-hmm. they became so hot and sweaty running around that they would constantly be falling off the ears of the actors and so <laughs> a lot of them are actually just not even on the actors they're like cg really yeah and and there's a couple scenes if you if you were to like watch it real quick and, and watch it again you'll you'll notice that jaguar par which is the one of the, the protagonists um his he has earrings in and then he doesn't have it, it it's just strange so is it really hard to gauge which ones are oh real yeah yeah uh, well a true connoisseur of, of of fashion like that like myself no um anyways <laughs> That's one. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned The Patriot, because I actually really enjoyed that movie. I liked it, too. I, I know that it's not, like, high up there, especially for historical significance. Um, but I really enjoyed I felt like it was a very, like, roller coaster, but also, like, a like pounding mm. movie. Um, and, of course, Heath Ledger died, and I had a huge crush on him as a kid. And funny story, I snuck into the movie theater at Showcase, downtown Lawrence, to actually see that, because it's rated R. And my parents were like, if you can get in, cool, whatever. Wow. But I actually got in because I didn't care. Wow. And I had drinks on me and candies and whatever. Um, so that's the first pick. The I have another pick, um, the Elizabeth series with Kate Blanchett. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed the first one. Um, I enjoyed the whole Tudor period. I, I love studying about that because it's just a fascinating time in British history. And really, can you think of many more monarchs that are as famous as the Tudors? Like, I mean, Henry VIII, like, what is it? Um, died, beheaded, uh, survived, died, beheaded. Yeah. Anyways, oh, died, beheaded, survived, beheaded, rock, div- paper, scissors, something like that. Yeah. Where he, you know, he chopped off the heads of a lot of people. Sure. In any case, mm-hmm. that's that one. Um, I also really love Gladiator. Like, <laughs> I I know that 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 it's a really long epic film, much like Braveheart. But I think Russell Crowe in his best role is in Gladiator. Wow. I, I know, and that might be like a that might be a, a statement that I'm making, but the music of that film is beyond like anything i experienced before um my husband said to me one day he's like hey if i go and they put me in the ground make sure they're playing you know that ending scene with gladiator and i'm like no we're not doing that wait doesn't your husband have a british accent yeah well he's british yeah yeah so why didn't you do that because he's not dead and i don't want him to die okay okay anyways um yeah shout out to my husband he loves gladiator too and we sat down and watched it through like maybe twice in a row and it was just it was fantastic um and then a couple of the ones I have uh, were Schindler's List, but I, I felt like everyone oh, has seen that. Yeah, and nobody ever wants to see it twice. Exactly. Like, it's a tough movie oh, to get through. That is a tough movie to get through. But I got to tell you, like, a lot of this historical uh, research that they did came from, like, some heavy, deep stuff that w- has been proven. Like, there's an actual list 
made by the person called Schindler. Like, there's a list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there was that. Um, and then I thought, you know, I, well, I gotta throw in something like a triple F for the kids, right? Because, you know, I like the triple Fs, the family-friendly flicks. Um, but the only thing that came to mind really was Pocahontas, and we know how backwards that is. Mm, once again, Mel Gibson. Throw Mel that. Gibson, yeah. exactly. Ties in. So this episode should be called "What Film Hasn't Mel Gibson Been In?" Mm, okay. And the image we'll use is like a picture of Braveheart, the guy, you know, William Wallace, and like, yeah, it'll just be all over the place. It wasn't as good as Rob Roy. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fighting words, man. That's fighting <laughs> words. I Can't love beat Liam Neeson. I love Liam Neeson. I do. But, yeah, yeah. Anyways, those are my picks. Those okay. are my picks. Those are my honorable mentions. And I had a great time with this episode. Yeah, it was fun. I really did. It was fun. Yeah. Now, of course, continuing the theme of Mel Gibson. <laughs> and yeah. we did mention Lethal Weapon. Yeah, we did. Our next dive, Buddy Cop Movies. Buddy Cops. It is a horrifyingly bad trope. The buddy cop movie. But one that seems to keep going on and on you know, and on. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> and it's something that that's very close to close to me. Uh, you know, I think of this podcast as kind of a buddy cop movie where, you know, uh, you're Starsky, I'm Hutch. Wait, uh, what? Why am I Starsky? Don't you want to be? You want to be Hutch? You can be Hutch. I'll be Hutch, yeah. All right, I'll be you Starsky. You have better hair. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, we'll, we'll do it that way then. Yeah. But that's going to be our next topic, buddy cop cop movies it should be a lot of fun it should be fun does chips count no okay so we won't because be it was chips like they were a bunch of cops yeah yeah, yeah i know poncho like, john but yeah yay. okay fair enough we'll leave chips out the only I rule is no chips yes no <laughs> chips no salsa because it, it's not good at the microphone <laughs> oh wait does does knight rider count because like kit and they're not cops oh that's true they're they not. work for a shadowy independent organization yeah, okay. All right. I'm, so, out, I'm out of ideas. Night Industries or something. I forget what it was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, that kind of wraps it up. Yep, it does. For this installment. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, on most of these podcast stations, it's Bare Necessities, the only podcast devoted entirely to the care and feeding of those cuddly, unpredictable, carnivorous animals. This episode, co-hosts Lefty and Patch talk all about the mating habits of bears. Warning, may contain inappropriate content. Oh, so that's that. that. That's uh, unbearable. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, what a grisly end to this. Yeah. Thank you, everybody podcast. who's listened. Thank you. Absolutely. Remember, our t shirts are now live on our website. Yes, indeed. The Deep Dive mm-hmm. You can find links to our social medias. You can email, email us. We love your feedback. We love your suggestions, your comments. Thank you so much for all the praise we got for the dinosaur episode. Yes. Because I literally know that I waffled on for an hour, but it made me so happy. And I'm so excited that every and I tagged in in that, that episode. Loved it. Yes, we yeah. love all you guys, even though we all hate to be touched. So, <laughs> on that happy note, yeah. we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Tom. And we are out in three, three two, two, one. Freedom! Huzzah! Oh, Ooh, that was close. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. See you later. Bye. Special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echocraft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.podbean.com. If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media.
I'm your huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. 